2: This January at the Coliseum, we, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions.
3: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Managing Editor Derek Ciappolo here for Rams Talk. And, uh, well, you know what? It's Christmas. It's Christmas morning, way early in the morning. Merry Christmas to all of our listeners, to all you Rams fans out there everywhere. We are extremely thankful that you take the time throughout the year to listen to our content, to read our content. And we just want to say, again, Merry Christmas to you. For the show today, we have plenty of things to talk about, beginning with our conversation with 49er Hubs, Kevin Molina. He's been on our show a couple of times now. He's here a preview this weekend's rivalry game with the San Francisco 49ers. And also, before we move on to even him, we do want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can't be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Also, don't forget to subscribe, and please leave five star reviews if you feel like it. If you feel like we earned it on iTunes, it really helps us out. Oh, and please don't forget our other shows on the network: Rampage Radio with J Rob and Jay, and Butting Heads with Johnny Gomez and Little Stevie Steve Rivera. Okay, and finally, before we get to our interview with Kevin Molina, we do want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's "Hollywood Team: Grit, Glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Craigslist Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spent the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks book online at Team.com and on Twitter at Team. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can find team also through various other booksellers on the internet folks. I've read this book cover to cover. It's worth every penny for all the Rams fans out there. It's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, folks, trust me, check it out. Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. Okay, folks, here we are. I'm going to send you right out to him. It's our interview with Kevin Molina from, well, 49ers Hub. All right, folks. I'm here with Kevin Molina from Four Niners Hub. Bud, how you doing? Uh,
1: actually, pretty good. You know, I want to say Merry Christmas to all the Rams fans out there. To all everyone that listens to your podcast. You know, Happy Holidays and whatnot. Uh, just you know, setting up for our Christmas and wrapping up our season as you guys begin the second part of your season.
3: Well, and a big part of our season coming up is. We need to beat the 49ers this weekend in order to wrap up the second seat. It should have already been wrapped up since we're sticking with the Christmas theme and all. But um, with all that in mind, let's talk here because when we first talked to you earlier in the year, when we talked uh, during the tour on the league, there was a lot of buzz around the 49ers. And you put the brakes on. You said they're a year away. They're probably about 8-8 this year. Then Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt and things don't even get that far. Where is this team now, and where are they going for the future?
1: They're a team
3: that is
1: holding itself together with bubble gum, band aids, any kind of adhesive that you can think of. They're they're just trying to get through this, the rest of the season. They're a team that fights to the end. They're Their team, I think not more than half of the games this season have been decided by eight points or less. And I think they're three and five in those eight games. Um, They're a team that's incredibly young, incredibly inexperienced and incredibly flawed at certain spots. And I mean, it's pretty obvious anyone that watches 49ers games or anyone that's kind of an, an observer that what they're missing and what they still need for the future. Now, the these last this last you know stretch of games, you know just, you know late November and into December, you know you're starting to see some of the younger players kind of grow into their roles. so that's definitely a positive. but it, it's kind of like I was thinking about it today. I was thinking about it you know in terms of you know in the lead up to this conversation with you that it's kind of like a car. They have a lot of the spare parts that you put together when building a car. But right now their engine is being worked on and that engine is Jimmy Garoppolo and there's a few other things like the you know, the accelerator or you know, just the frame itself of a car. Which in, in the 49ers case is a pass rusher, you know, a for especially in the 49ers game a free safety Those those are kind of parts that they're still missing. They have every a lot of the other parts They're just really young and inexperienced. So this time is helping them grow But it's getting the rest of the parts that put together that car it, It's like for you guys, you know before Gurley before Goff, before Aaron Donald You guys had some of the parts together, but it just took a while to put all those parts together and you need the right kind of mechanic to to fine tune it to keep it running the way it needs to be run
3: okay so with all that in mind with all the injuries and those missing parts what has worked this year for the 49ers what gives you hope
4: (sighs) uh
1: george kittle deforce buckner and some of the kind of role players. And I I think a lot of fans, especially 49ers fans have gotten themselves in this idea, this theory that a team has to have number one, you know, a first round pick or an elite player at every position to run, to be a really good team. And that's not the case. You build it with, with around, you know, certain elite level talent and then you have role players behind them. And I think for me, what I take from this year is they have a lot of solid, really good role players and two really, really high-end players. They're getting their quarterback back next year. I think he has the ability to be a top-ten quarterback. I really do believe that. It's just getting some of the other parts. So it's like what I talked about. is you, What I take away from the season from a positive perspective is they have a lot of the role players that you need to get by. I mean, I, I look at the Rams. like A guy like Samson Ebucon, you got in the – I believe what? In the fifth round?
3: Uh, Something like that. Fifth or sixth. I'm trying to remember off the yeah. top of my head. Robert Woods,
1: he was a cast off from Buffalo. You know, some of the parts that you guys are putting together, you know, Brandon Cooks, even though he was a first round talent, he got traded from team to team to team. Certain guys, you know, certain rosters are constructed in weird ways and not always done through the conventional means. So for me, what I'll take away from this season is they have a lot of young players and a lot of players, young players especially screw up a lot but they have a lot of solid role players. It's Now it's time to to start putting together, start putting inserting the high end players that you need to win
3: games. Where do you stand with Kyle Shanahan? What kind of job has he done out there?
1: And I know certain beat writers will will speak negatively about Kyle Shanahan, and I think that's more from a personal perspective. But I thought the job he has done for someone so young—I think people forget that he's only 39 years old. I mean, today the news came out that Pete Carroll just got an extension through what 2021 or 2022. You know, Pete Carroll is almost 30 years older than than Kyle Shanahan and almost what 40 years older than than uh call Sean McVay. Some of these guys, you know to be so young and to be able to just to hold yourself up and not not screw up more times than not is a really good sign for me. I, I think it's Steve Wilkes. They're already talking about firing him. He's gonna be a one and done. A guy like that is – you see it in – even though I personally don't think that he's the cause of all their problems, those kind of mistakes are going to happen. I don't think they made a mistake at all hiring Kyle Shanahan. I think his scheme works and I think more so than anything else, his personality fits with the type of, of guys that are in the NFL. I know, I know a lot of positive press is given to Sean McVeigh, not just in terms of his acumen as a, a play caller and a, and a play designer, but just how he deals with people. And I think when Kyle Shannon was hired, that was a concern for a lot of people. But just given the way players speak about him, given the way the the writers that cover the team on a daily basis speak about him, given the way just the people in the organization speak about him, to me he's the right man for the job. And it's just gonna it's taking him time to put together those pieces. I mean, just they're a top fifteen in terms of yards per game kind of offense with a third string you know quarterback a a a former undrafted, you know, free agent running back. Two of them, you know, fifth round pick a tight end. Multiple, you know, first and second year players across the offense. So for him, them to be able to him to be able to hold up the offense to that point and not lose these players. Because I think you'll see you guys see it just as much as I do. Is that when players want to speak negatively about a coach on a day in and day out basis, there are certain people they'll go to and they'll speak negatively about that. In the time that Kyle Shanahan has been with the 49ers, you've not seen one player, even former players, ever speak ill of him on a personal level. And I think that, that says more than anything else to me about the job he is doing now. Now, the wins have to come for sure. It's not going to be always one of those things where, oh, well, he's just putting things together. He's holding it up. No, there are wins that are going to need to come that need to be attached to his name soon enough. But right now, for what he's dealing with, I think he's done as good a job as one can do in this situation.
3: Now, let's talk about that third-string quarterback. We don't even know this guy, Mullins. Tell us about him. What's he do? He, and I think
1: you'll you'll understand our reference, he's a better version of Case Keenum.
3: You think he's better than Case Keenum? Yes. Tell me why. Because
1: I think he can do the one thing that Case Keenum can't. I think he's willing to go down the field. I think he's willing to be aggressive. I, I mean, I'm watching the game right now between the Broncos and the Raiders, and, and I, I was there for the Broncos 49ers game because my wife is a Broncos fan, and I saw it. You know, almost every down. Case Keenum is scared to go down the field. Case Keenum is scared not to be, not just to escape the, you know, be nothing more than a check down player. I think, you know, Nick Mullins at his best is a better version of what Case Keenum is. Now, is he a starting, you know, a starting level quarterback? No, but we think about how how difficult it is to find a backup quarterback in this league. If you have a guy with, with significant experience, and by the end of the season he'll have at least eight games of experience and a ton of snaps under his belt, those are the kinds of guys that you trust. The guy is only 23 years old. I mean, and he – well, I think he has the fifth most passing yards in the history of the NFL in his first seven starts. You know, uh, yeah, a lot of that is Kyle Shanahan, but a lot of that is Nick Mullins willing to take a shot in the pocket, willing to get out, you know, out of the pocket and willing to throw down
3: now Speaking of taking shots, that offensive line, how is it doing? How does it match up with the Rams' front seven? I, I I mean, I still
1: think when you have the best defensive player in the league who is going up against the weak spot of an offensive line like the 49ers, I I do expect Aaron Donald to do Aaron Donald things. I expect him to get the record for most sacks by a defensive tackle in, in history with twenty. I think he I think he'll get it in the first quarter because I think that he's that good. As the rest of the offense, I mean, I because Dante Fowler came in after you know they they played that first time. I don't know how he impacts it because I mean the one weakness and I think I hope you'll agree with me here is that the edge spot the edge. On, you know, on the Rams defense has been kind of the weak spots, but you know, now that you have sense and Ebicon having a bigger role now that you have Dante Fowler in there, you know, that might be where, where the litmus test of the 49ers def- the offensive line is because that's the strength of their offensive line. they two tackles, mm-hmm. Joe Staley, and Mike McGlinchey. It's the interior three. That's where, where the Rams will obviously have the advantage. It's it's if they can, if they can hold up on the edges, Maybe the 49ers can have some success, but I, I do think there's some gonna be some replay of what happened earlier in the season.
3: So that matchup, how do you feel about the secondary with possibly we're not sure on Lamarcus Thorn. Looks like he'll be all right. He's uh-huh. our free safety out there. How is that secondary gonna match up against Kittle and the rest of your crew?
1: I think Kittle will have success because I think you know Mullins features him pri- pretty significantly. I think Dante Pettis being out really hurts them just because he – you know now you're down to a, you know, a limping Marquise Goodwin who's dealing with a ton of issues right now. And a second-year former undrafted free agent in Kendrick Bourne. Those are going to be your two primary receivers. I expect Peters and Tlaib to lock him down because they're that good. But it's that middle of the field which Kyle Shanahan knows, to, knows how to exploit better, almost better than anyone. That's where I think there'll be some kind of an advantage. I mean, I, you see, you know, Kittle's on pace to potentially break the all-time record for receiving yards by tight end in a single season. So if if he can get rolling, I expect a good day from him. Other than that, it's going to be difficult for them to have any kind of success on the perimeter.
3: And flip it around, the Rams. The Rams offense against your defense, how's it looking? I know you guys gave the Bears some problems and you gave the Seahawks some problems. So what's, where's this going with, with that matchup?
1: I think it'll be tough. I, I think the Rams will be able to do the Rams kind of things, especially, you know, how given how good Goff is and play action. I think that's where – because they're, they're such a young defense. Outside of Richard Sherman, there isn't a player who's starting for the 49ers that has more than three years of experience. You know, second second to Richard Sherman is is to force Buckner and starts. You think he has forty six. No one has more than that on the rest of the defense. So so you have that advantage. And I think young players, especially really young players, bite hard on play action. I think that's where where Goff will kind of, you know, gash them on a consistent basis. I think from a running perspective, you'll tell me I don't know if Gurley's gonna be able to play or not, or if they're gonna wanna risk him playing given, you know, that how much he means to the offense. And, you know, if it's C.J. Anderson and I think Josh – or John Kelly, is that, is that his name?
3: Yes, John Kelly. I,
1: I think they can have some success bottling them up, but I think it's it's kind of what you'll do on the perimeter. It's a perimeter game, this this game. You know, can the 49ers find any success on the perimeter? Offensively, can the, can they stop them? You know, Woods and and Cooks and you know and whoever else they 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 line up out there. You know, can they they be able to bottle that up?
3: Well, one thing the Bears did with great success, and the Lions and Eagles did with a little bit less success, was force the Rams to throw short, run for their lives, Jared Goff for his life. Do you yeah. have the same kind of tools? to employ that kind of game plan against the Rams? Not to that degree. I mean,
1: Philadelphia and Chicago, in, well, I mean, not so much Detroit because I think, you know, the offensive line for the 49ers is probably better than Detroit's. Um, but not to, obviously not to the degree of the Eagles or the Bears. I mean, those are the top two two of the top five pressure defense in the entire league. So it's not going to be that. But, I mean, I think you have DeForce Buckner who – is probably going to a Pro Bowl if you know either Cox or or Hicks or or you know Aaron Donald's obviously playing in the Super Bowl, so I think he will probably be one. I think Solomon Thomas playing inside is definitely a a significant upgrade in terms of just putting him in a, in a place to succeed. I like think you're seeing a little you know you're seeing some productive play from Eric Armstead, so I think of the interior, be able to 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 just be able to be able to. Find some success there. I mean, I've seen some success in terms of the interior three being dominated by their team. So hopefully that would be where they could pressure them, where they could pressure golf, anyways. All
3: right. So I'm going to let you go, man. Thank you so much for coming on for Christmas Eve. It is uh, <laughs> one of those things in our business. We have to provide content no matter what. And so I'm very thankful that you're taking this time, but we cannot hang up this call without at least getting your prediction on the game. So how are you calling it?
1: Rams 24-17, 24-16, something like that. You, you'll you see a fluky touchdown here or there. But I think the Rams, will by the, by the fourth quarter, they'll have things wrapped up. And, then you know, you know it, the process of it will just play out as is. The 49ers will be tough because it's a division game. I don't know how many 49ers fans are going to be at the Coliseum. It, it, every year it tends to be a good, solid showing for their fan base. You know, this is a team that's playing with some energy. They're playing a lot of young players. So we, we can definitely see them give them some kind of tough spurts. But, you know, I, I definitely think it's a game that the Rams, for the most part, will control.
3: It's a weird thing. Like, I went, went to last year's game and – Everybody in the brother knew at that point the Rams were not going to play the starters. So a bunch of fans didn't show. There was a ton of 49ers fans who spent a lot of their time rubbing our noses into the ground for losing to them <laughs> with our third four-stringers. It blew my mind. We gave, we gave the 49ers fans so much crap after that on our podcast. But with this time, with it being with, with the stakes high this weekend, I got to think. It'll be a better showing in terms of Rams fans. It's such a transient city; you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, for the for the Kansas City game, that place is packed with Rams fans. With for the uh, Eagles game, uh, it was a lot more evened out. So you just never know what we're going to get. We'll and see. and
1: plus, you might know early on because I, I what the Bears and the Vikings play that ten in that ten a.m. slot. So by the time kickoff happens, they could know, Rams can already know whether or not they're they're fighting for that second spot or they already have it locked up.
3: Just a question on how fast he'll can sell their tickets then. <laughs> yeah, well that's how true. many 49ers fans are going to come down to want to see that, especially with um without Jimmy without Jimmy G in the game.
1: Yeah, without Jimmy G, without any kind of stakes at yeah. You know, I mean, right now we're talking about whether whether or not we're going to be picking second or third. So it might be one of those years where it might be more Rams fans, but you know you never know. There's there's a huge 49ers contingent in this city.
3: Better enjoy it now because come 2020 when they get that nice Coliseum. Upgrade, i.e., Cronkyville. It's not going to be that way anymore. It's just going to cost way too much. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a hard ticket to get. I, I mean,
1: to to me, I have equated it to what Warriors fans are going to go through going going from Oracle to I think it's called the Chase Center. I think they're going to experience that. I think, yeah, Ram, it's going to be so expensive to get it, to get to uh, get a ticket to that game or into that
3: stadium. Oof. I I do have one more question for you because. Yeah, yeah. um, And this has nothing to do with the actual game this weekend, but overall, this is a. The Rams 49ers, this was at one time one of the greatest rivalries in the league. It Mm -hmm. was something that held our attention in the 70s, in the 80s, and then the Rams, well, they sucked for a decade. And we sucked for the decade afterwards. And now we're, I think. In a lot of ways, despite the dislike between the two fan bases, there's also a desire for that rivalry to come back. What would it mean to you to see both these two teams going at it again for the NFC West?
1: It would mean the world to me, especially because I live in LA. So just seeing that, and I think I think what unites us both is our hatred of Seahawks.
3: <laughs> there's a lot of truth there.
1: <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of respect between 49ers fans and Rams fans because... I mean, unlike, see, unlike the other members of the division, because of how close in proximity both teams are now, especially because the Rams came back, I think a lot of – there's a lot of families where it, there's a lot of Rams fans and 49ers fans. So getting that kind of familial you know, rivalry back where a lot of fans – or there's a lot of shared kind of allegiances, especially between the families – and, and making the Seahawks the third best team in the division would make me so ecstatic. So if it was the Rams or Niners for the next 10 years, I think I'd be so happy.
3: It's a shared culture.
1: That's yeah, it it's a, you're, you're,
3: yeah. you've inter, we've we have we are I we've intermarried. <laughs> we, yeah. You know, it's um and,
1: well, I was just gonna say I was just gonna say offensively, because both teams for so long were built on their offensive prowess.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and, and so I mean, I know you guys had the Fierce of them and you guys have had had some really good defender, you know. You probably have the best defender in franchise history playing for you guys right now. But I mean, when when you talk about the Rams and when you talk about the 49ers, a lot of it's based around the offenses. And to to get that back. You know, especially now in a league where where the rules are predominantly favoring offenses, I think it would be really cool to see that. You know, to me, it would have been my dream matchup if instead of the Chiefs and Rams having that game, it would have been the 49ers and the Rams. Especially like last year when they had that Thursday night game when it was so close, it was, what, 41-38. You know, having that kind of game on on a yearly basis would be so much fun. And
3: really, I go back and, you know, I think I'm a little older than you, so I remember. Yeah. I remember the, the big 88 game where the Rams were fighting for a playoff spot, and they have to beat the 49ers last week of the year. And, and Steve Young was, at the time, the second-string quarterback, and the Rams came yeah. in there and pounded the 49ers, 38-16. That's the last time the 49ers lost. The following year, the epic, um, the epic Monday night game where the mm-hmm. Rams were ahead 27-10. And the 49ers came back, Joe Montana, doing what Joe Montana does. They win 30-27. Then, of course, the FAM sacked for the NFC Championship game where it was just disgusting uh, for us But the 49ers <laughs> win that game. A uh, wrap ahead 10 years later. And yeah. the Rams are – There's one test the Rams need to pass to show they're legit. And that legit was they had to beat the 49ers to show that they were for real. That was in the Edward Jones Dome. They called the TWA Dome Diamond, and the Rams went 4 two twenty. 20 Oh,
1: and I remember that, that game. I yeah, remember it, that game.
3: And so there are just so many games in recent history, and I'm talking last 20, 25 years, but there's also a lot of games where they were forgettable, and I don't want that anymore. I want the no. I want Rams 49ers featured on every Sunday night broadcast or Thursday night broadcast or America's Game of the Week or whatever. That's the way it should be. You know, we get tired of watching Dallas games, 10 Dallas games in in a row. On national TV uh, or 10 Green Bay games when Green Bay's lost eight or nine games. No, I don't want to see that. I want to see good football. I'm wanting that good football to be a rivalry that should have been there. It should never have been beaten down the way it has over the years. Well, I think for me,
1: and I think you talked, you brought it up a little bit, just the East Coast bias of everything. Is I'm tired of seeing Philadelphia or Washington or the Giants or the Cowboys in in, in primetime games. I'm tired of seeing all East Coast teams. Uh, you know, I, this, you know, they're the only you know, the hope for a true West Coast rivalry you know, between on this side you know on this side of the country and if we can get that back, if the 49ers are able to hold up their end of the bargain in the offseason and start, you know, putting together the players that we need to be able to challenge you guys for the division, I think the NFL is completely is so much better for it.
3: All right, well Kevin, thanks so much. I'm guessing we'll see you again come tour on the league time.
1: Yeah, or whenever you guys want, man. You guys
3: you well, have well,
1: you have my email. You have my number. Whatever you guys want to bring me on, I'm, I'm definitely willing to come on.
3: I'm just waiting for you to invite us on. By oh, God, it's just ridiculous. You would never invite us on. I give uh, hey, the, the Cardinals guy, we'll, too some trouble.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, dude, we we will definitely have you on. We actually haven't been able to record in a while just because of you know things are going on in our personal lives. So, but the next time we are able to, to put a podcast together, I definitely want to bring you guys on, especially you know just to talk playoffs.
3: Well. It's coming soon, man. It's coming real soon. Sure. All right, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And, well, I'm going to say go Rams. <laughs> go,
1: go, go. <laughs> no, worries, no worries.
3: As long All as it's right. not go Hawks.
4: All right. Oh, my easy. God.
1: I, I was talking, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I was talking to, I think I was talking to my wife yesterday and I, I was watching the Seahawks in, in the mm-hmm. Kansas City. And I'm like, every time I hear Russell Wilson say a whole bat, a whole pack of, of uh, was it a whole pack of Badgers or whatever,
3: I, I just say, I want to punch him in the face. I'm surprised it's not Pete Carroll, man, because everybody wants to punch Pete Carroll, except for Peach Carroll.
1: Oh well, uh, is... I mean, he, he's an old
3: man, so I think I'd get arrested for elder abuse. Yeah, but... it's kind of a felony, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> Russell Wilson saying he went to a, he went to a school with a whole pack of badgers. No, you went to a school with human beings. You went to the University of Wisconsin, and before that, you went to you, you know, to North, uh, North Carolina uh, North Carolina State, I think. And the Wolfpack, like, yeah. Yeah, just stop saying you went to a whole pack of Badgers. You went to Wisconsin. That's the school you went to. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That's off a tangent, but I just want to say uh, happy Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, man. Good luck in the playoffs. Obviously, I'm, I can't root for you because, you know, that would just be dumb. But, you know, good luck.
3: Oh, you know, I forgot one more thing, man. I forgot one more thing. Tell people where they can follow you guys. Uh, you can find me at Kevin A. Molina. You can find us at
1: 49ers Hub on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And you can find us at the49ershub.com.
3: All right, Kevin. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. You have a great one. Uh, you too, man. All right. That was Kevin Molina from 49ers Hub. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed the preview. It was a little bit more looser than what we normally do on, on the show. But, hey, It's Christmas. We're not going to be too serious when we have a, a lot of other things to, to be thankful for this this time of year. Uh, before we do move on, I want to take some time to shout out to our other sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and you like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop, 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop and they shrined to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis. And they he kept that light on. He kept it on for t- over 20 years. It's still on. He's by appointment only. So give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code Rams Talk so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Gold Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714 714- Eight nine four seven two six seven. A visit to his shop Is worth it just to enjoy All the Rams memorabilia there It's a hall of fame to the Rams I kid you not But again It is that old school barbershop experience You could talk football You can talk Rams football I even saw a guy come in there and ask you know, And talk about Vikings football Couldn't believe it Trust me folks You won't regret it He even managed to make my head look normal Norm, Norm's funky looking head normal And he made Johnny Into Magic Johnny So there you go, the Gold Ram Barbershop. Okay, so a little bit different format today. It is Christmas Day, and I do want to kind of express the 12 things I want for Christmas. The 12 things I want for Christmas that can be Rams-related. It's mostly Rams-related, a couple of things that aren't. But I wanted to just put these out there to you just from, from the bottom of our hearts here at Rams Talk and some of the thoughts we've talked about throughout the year and um, – here you go. Okay. Here is the first thing. i am following the theme. 12 days of Christmas. 12 things I want for Christmas. First thing I want for Christmas. I do want to have all the resources humanly possible. To, for our company here. Over here at Rams Talk. To keep putting out Rams content. Whether that's for writers. If you're interested in writing for us. Um, sponsors. We, we really could use some advertisers to keep the lights on. Graphics people. Social media people. If you are interested in hooking up with us, and getting involved in some good old-fashioned Rams content, reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Uh, we're all rambling, and uh, we're looking to keep providing you more and more good content and get better content out there for you as we're able to uh, financially afford it. So that's one thing. and I'm, I'm not going to say anything else about it. There you go. Number two, this is the bigger one things I want for Christmas, second thing I want for Christmas, to see some of these longtime Rams veterans finally get considered by the Veterans Committee for the Hall of Fame. That includes Roman Gabriel, that includes Rich Saul. that includes Dennis Hara, Nolan Cromwell, and a couple others. There's one name that, to me, and, and I'm not dissing any of those other names i think all of them really should be at this point their numbers stack up to the air but there's one person who definitely belongs in and i cannot believe that years have gone by and he's still not in there and that's eddie metter eddie metter was a cornerback ahead of his time in the 1960s the numbers he put up uh the ones that were kept anyways what he meant to the ram secondary the the pro bowls he went to it's a crying shame that up to this point, no Rams media has successfully lobbied for the Veterans Committee to take, up, take a look at him. I believe he belongs in the Hall of Fame. And Eddie's getting up there in years. And, and I'm hoping that somebody will look at his, his numbers, look at his career, and see that he's worthy of such an honor. And so if anybody's out there listening, if there's anybody in Rams media out there listening, look him up. Look him up. Compare him to the era and to what he did. He was not just a coverage corner. He was a tackler. Ty got hurt. So it ended his career a little early. He's well, he is well-deserving of an honor in the Hall of Fame. So there you go. There you go. Eddie Metter. Okay. Three. Third thing I want for Christmas. I want the Rams to beat the 49ers for the second seed. I'm still bitter about that game last year. Went all the way out there. Toured all the lots. Ate lots of food. Thank you still to all those people who fed us. And the Rams played their second, third, fourth seed guys. I don't blame them. But went there to watch the 49ers' first team smash the Rams' second and third and fourth teamers. And then have 49er fans on the way out uh, talking trash, as if they just accomplished something major. Uh, this one is important. It's important for so many things. Um, if the Rams lose this game, the Bears win, then the Rams are on the road in the wild card game. Sorry, sorry. I apologize. At home for a wild card game, and then have to get through that wild card game and go on the road in the divisional playoff. I just don't. I don't want that. I don't see how anybody would want that. If they're at home, they would face the higher seeded of the teams available at home. So it could be the Bears, it could be, it could be the Seahawks, and it could be. Let me see, let's see what the last one was. It could be Dallas. All right. So the one team it can't be will be whoever takes that sixth seat: Philadelphia or Minnesota or so on and so forth. Then, in the NFC Championship game, they'd be on the road. Okay, so I don't want that. If they play a wild card game, they would host They would host either, at this point, Minnesota or Philadelphia. You know, let's just go ahead and, and get this thing wrapped up. That's what I want to see. I want to see this team win a playoff game under Sean McVay. Uh, it's just, you know, it's what needs to happen. It's what needs to happen. Okay. That's my third wish. Well, it's what I want for Christmas. By the way, I'm I'm wondering how many of these, when all is said and done, how many of these will come true. Fourth thing I want for Christmas, the fourth, permanent throwback colors. Don't reinvent the wheel here, folks. If, If there is somebody in the Rams organization listening, I know, we all know that you are looking at redesigning the uniforms for the opening of the stadium. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just go back to the old uniforms they're wearing now. The old LA uniforms. The ones that they have permission to wear, the throwbacks, just keep those. You don't need to change anything. I mean, let's let's train it this way. Those colors aren't something you're gonna to want to wear on the street. They're not fashion forward or anything, but on the football field they're perfect. They're perfect. They stand for everything this organization has ever been. They're perfect. Don't change them. There's no need to change them. are a le- It's a legacy uniform, like the Packers uniform, like the Steelers uniform, even the Cowboys uniform. Those are legacy uniforms. You don't need to change them. You don't need to change them. You don't need to alter them. Okay, for you know, If you want to have a throwback uniform, then that can be the old blue and white. But there's no need to go out there and massively revamp the uniforms. And I'm bringing this up now because it's getting closer, and it's just a wish. I'm not trying to be a dead horse here. I know it's come up over and over again, and, and the issue's kind of fallen on you know down in the background because the Rams got what they wanted, being allowed to wear the throwback uniforms now. But keep them. There's no reason to change the uniforms. Come come 2020. this just I. They're going to do it. I'm pretty sure they're going to do it because. That means everybody's going to go out and run, buy new uniforms. But you don't need to. You don't need to. That they're, they're perfect the way they are. Okay, five. Oh, boy. I'm going to move away from the Rams for a second. We'll be back. Five. For the NFL to make a concerted effort to fix officiating, the Rams traditionally tend to get screwed on officials' calls. We've seen it for years. There's no point really anymore in complaining to, just complain too much about it because it's, it's just going to happen. But I don't remember seeing officiating as bad as it's been this year. If I could, if I could guess, I'll go all the way back to 2001. The pass interference call on the Steelers, Joe Hayden on Sunday, is a great example of that. Never should have been called. Just a light touch. Um, it just. I can't believe that call was made, and it, and it put the story on behind the eight ball early in that game. This it changes the whole dimension of the game. These officials are having too much of a say. They're having too much of a um, too much of an impact on games they shouldn't be having an impact on. They're basically because of their failures, they are right now diminishing the integrity of the game. And I read a report today from uh, something that Peter King mentioned in, on his article for Pro Football Talk and how, per a league source, the officials are getting upset that the NFL's not backing them up. Um, the NFL, I think, does a really good job providing resources for officials. They work hard to update rules and clarify rules are necessary. You don't blame the NFL for this one. Do your job. If you want the NFL to back you, do your job. That call on the field never should have happened. Never. We've seen multiple horrible calls like that that impact the game throughout the year. We've seen it happen to the Rams. We've seen it happen to other teams as well. I'm not just saying, hey, it's something that happens to the Rams. It happens a lot. It happened to the Steelers on Sunday. And you know what it did? It had an effect on the entire NFC uh, playoff picture. Well, not the entire, but the top three seeds especially. It Should not have happened. So there you go, number six. I just saw an, a, uh, a fellow Rams podcast. Podcast mentioned this yesterday. Um, they had Jim Ever on the sh- on their show along with uh, Leroy Irvin. Uh, the case to be made to increase roster sizes. I've mentioned it before on the show. So that's my wish. My sixth wish, sixth one for Christmas is time. NFL expand those rosters. Expand them. You have a 53-man roster, a 46-man active roster. It, you, it's time. It's time to expand those rosters. We're living in a different age. Uh, we're trying to protect players from injury. And if you don't allow teams to have more death in this age where guys are faster, stronger, we're seeing more severe injuries, concussions, and so on and so forth, you, you, you're you basically speaking on the side of your mouth. You're saying how important you are, and important it is to you, for player safety, and I believe that, but I think the NFL's come around that. This is not a direct criticism towards them, okay? I believe they've come around. I think they really are trying to protect players, but it's counterintuitive when you only allow so many active players on the roster. It allows these teams to have so much so much less flexibility. Just, just change it. Make it a 60-man roster. Maybe a 60-man roster would fit three active. However you want to do it. it there needs to be more spots open. There just needs to be more. Okay, so that's number six on the list. All right, the seventh thing I want for Christmas. The seventh, I want Isaac Bruce in the Hall of Fame. I want Isaac Bruce in the Hall of Fame. He belongs there. The numbers show it. If you go look him up, you will find some just amazing numbers throughout his career. And honestly, if he doesn't suffer some of the injuries he has early in his career... And then towards the end, I think his numbers are even better. So he makes four Pro Bowl bursts during his career. He catches 1,024 footballs for 15,208 yards and 91 touchdowns, including a long of 80. He, in 1995, caught 119 passes on a just okay Rams team for 17 81, 13 touchdowns. During the Rams' greatest show on turf year, 77 catches for uh, 1,165 yards, 12 touchdowns. The next year, 2,000, even better. 87 catches, 1-4, 7-1, 1,471 yards, 9 touchdowns. Just an outstanding career. He's deserving of just, he's deserving of it. He's part of that greatest show on turf offense. He was a, a consummate professional throughout his career. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame. It needs to happen. I, I still blows my mind that it's even a question mark for him. It, it really does need to happen. So that is Isaac Bruce. That takes me to my next Christmas wish. My next Christmas wish. This is number eight. My eighth Christmas wish is Tory Holt to be in the Hall of Fame. And to me, if you look at his numbers straight through, it should be a gimme. It really should. He makes. Seven Pro Bowl appearances. A one-time first-team All-Pro. In 2003, he leads a team with 117 catches for 1,696 yards and 12 touchdowns. In 2000, 82 catches for 1,635 yards. Overall, in his career, he he registered. He registered 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 seasons of 1,000 yards. Or more receiving. Matter of fact, 1,100 yards. He never, during that stretch, dropped below 1,100 yards. He registered 920 catches in his career overall. thirteen thousand and eighty-two yards receiving. And 85 yards, uh, sorry, 85 touchdowns. What really makes him stand out is the fact that he did this straight through. From 2000 to 2007, you would be hard-pressed to not at least consider him among your top two or three series in the league. This is a time during Terrell Owens, when he was out there, when Randy Moss was out there. Torrey Holt was was right there. Was right there. And um, it, it's hard to try and say that he was equal to Terrell Owens or to Randy Moss. But he was, he, was, he was right there in the mix for among the best in the league. Very consistent. Always made plays. Always came to work. He definitely deserves the honor, but his career was shorter. Played 11 years in the league, knee injuries at the end kind of finished him out. I think if Tory Holt plays a couple more years, gets some more yardage on there, it's a much more clear-cut case. Instead, we're here debating it, despite the fact the guy made seven proles in his career, had eight years, again, of over 1,100 yards receiving in a row that is so hard to do in any league at any season and that's what he did i he's deserving and he'll probably be waiting a little while there's a there's a huge list of players coming up now that will be first timers and it'll kind of push him towards the background but touring to get in the hall of fame so there you go there's my my case for him and by the way, my ninth thing that I want for Christmas, my ninth wish for Christmas, is I want Tory Holt to come on the show. I interviewed him years ago when I was contributing to Yahoo Sports. A great interview. And, you know, we're were we were real big believers here in, about the history of this team, whether it be in Los Angeles or St. Louis. And he's just a great conversation. I tried to reach out to him last year to get him on the show and, and the timing didn't meet and didn't, it didn't work out well just because of how busy he is. I hope to one day get Tory on the show. I know you all would love to have him on and see how he's been doing and, and get his feelings on certain things going in the NFL right now. Well, so would I. And so that's number 10. Okay. So that was number 9. This is number 10. 10 things I want for Chris. The 10th thing is the Rams to get more penetration on the line of scrimmage defensively and set the edges. This might be the toughest thing because if, if they were going to do it, they would have done it by now. Some of these things are fundamental. Um, some of them are based on your talent. So far this year, penetration-wise, in the line of scrimmage, it's really been the Aaron Donald show. We expect them more out of the Dominican Zoo and Michael Brockers. It hasn't happened yet. It really needs to happen. In terms of setting the edges, that to me is more fundamental. It's something you're taught at a very young age. It's something that I taught when I was coaching football to set that edge. It's so important that teams do that, and it blows my mind that our front seven really struggles to make that happen. It really needs to happen, and it needs to happen soon if the Rams are going to have a shot at the Super Bowl. 11. 11. For the offensive line to full return to early season form. They were better on Sunday. They did very well against the run. I mean, Sorry, not against the run before. the, The running game was amazing. They adapted the the lineup for C.J. Anderson, and the Rams just did what the Rams did earlier in the year and just mauled people. But the passing offense, the pass blocking, still has a lot to to grow with. And at this point in the season, I'm not even sure it can happen. It's age. It's it's an older line now. Whitworth is 37 years old. John Sullivan's getting up there. And John Sullivan, he's been getting beat up a lot of late. And while I'm thankful the Rams went out there and got him, he really solidified the offensive line. It's looking like Sullivan, it's, it's looking like it's time to go. It's not that, you know, nothing personal. It's looking like this, this is the end. He's no longer able to man the middle. Yeah, that's a shame. So I'm hoping these guys can pull it together for this stretch run, go back to what they were, and, allow, and protect Jared Goff, protect your franchise quarterback. And so that is my 11th thing that I want for Christmas. And finally, finally, here we go. The 12th thing that I want for Christmas. I think you know what it is. To get to and win the Super Bowl. So let me tell a story. Let me tell a story. And I I was 21 when the Rams went to the Super Bowl, beat the Titans. I was serving in the U.S. Navy at the time. We were out to sea. During the playoffs, I I was a radio man, an IT. I would actually go up to the indoor radio shack and program in on a spare radio, on a spare receiver to listen to the game online. Well, I didn't have watch the night of the Super Bowl. I was supposed to be sleeping, but that's not going to happen. I was the only guy in the birthing who was cheering for the Rams. Everybody else wanted Eddie George and Steve McNair and the Titans to win. I was the only guy. Everybody told me the Rams don't have a shot, even though the Rams were the better team throughout the year. That's what folks said, they don't have a shot. And I got to watch as Kurt Warner hit Isaac Bruce on that 73-yard touchdown on the sideline to put them ahead late and then they held on. And I remember that day I was, I just I, I'm a praying man. I actually asked God, Lord, just one time I'll never ask for it again. And, uh, well, here we are years later. It's been almost 20 years. The team since moved back to LA, they went for a long dry spell. I've been a little superstitious about that. <laughs> um, But they've now, again, they've created a new culture there. And it's fun to watch the Rams play. It's frustrating sometimes, but it's fun. But here's the thing. A lot of those older Rams fans who held on in all those years in L.A. uh, We're starting to lose them. Matter of fact, we've lost a ton of them this year. Including one of our most active fans. His name was Gerald Reynolds, who... If he, he, we were known for disagreeing, we used to get on the Rams board and and talk um, and disagree a lot about the Rams. He used to get on articles, and and um, he passed away just a few short days after the Rams lost again to the, the Falcons. But his love for the Rams will never be questioned. And uh, many of these older L.A. Rams fans, um, they, it, they are getting near the end. And I, I don't think I remember a year where so many... I've, I've read stories of so many members of the fan base passing away. So as these folks, as their health are fading, and they have a shot, that's what I want for Christmas. I want to see the Rams win one for some of these Rams fans who, who um, their clock is ticking, whether they are in St. Louis or in Los Angeles or anywhere around the world. There are quite a few who want to see this team win one last time before they move on in life. Or move on from life. And I hope I hope that'll happen. That's my big wish for the year. I'm sure other fans across the league are wishing the same thing. This is nothing, this is just my wish list. And um I I gotta tell you, I really miss Gerald. I really miss arguing football with Gerald. Alright. So with all that in mind, it's about time for us to go. Before we go. If you are interested in sponsoring us, if you working with us, advertising with us, reach out to us at Ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Talk. And you can find me, Derek DerekCiapala at DCPaula. On Twitter, you can find everybody else. Johnny Gomez is out there. Steve Ribeiro, you know, even Norm. He's there too. Don't forget to iTunes. Or Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you are, subscribe. Uh, if you can, leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. If you ever have any feedback for us, email us. I love to hear your feedback, whether it's good or bad. I've had some weird ones in the past, um, but we really want to engage you in what we do. We um, there, there several of us here. Are journalists, but we, we're, we know we we say who we are. We're a biased group. We cover this team. So we want to hear from you. We want to hear your takes, and maybe just maybe we'll uh, ask a question. We'll answer a question of yours on the air. Okay. One last thing. Merry Christmas. Um, thank you for all that you have done to be a part of our team throughout the year. I hope you enjoy your family uh, wherever you are around the world. I know we have listeners in Britain and Germany, and and of course. In L.A., St. Louis, even Alaska, that's what our demographics say. Merry Christmas. And, again, thank you for taking all the time to spend with us. Okay, for the entire Rams Talk team, this is Derek C. Paula. Go Rams. It's time for the 49ers, folks.
4: MyPatriotSupply.com